Hi, welcome to the Axe Church UK weekly podcast. We hope you'll be inspired and blessed by today's message. Enjoy! Today I'll be preaching about a very, it's a very fundamental topic. It's a very um, easy or simple topic on the outside, but I think it's a very important topic for us to really uh, understand and to really um, just appreciate as well. So, uh, if XTV can flash the title, what is the church to you? So, um, God actually gave me this uh, idea or this message um, back when we were actually doing our Freshers' Fair back in King's College. So, for some of you who don't know, we are, we've actually done two Freshers' Fair uh, in the past two weeks. We actually did a Freshers' Fair in King's College to reach out to the new students. Shout out to the volunteers. And we actually did uh, another Freshers' Fair at City University. Again, shout out to everyone who uh, took leave, especially to go to the fair and to connect with the different ones. And just uh, for your information, this Tuesday, we will be having another Freshers' Fair at Imperial College. So if you're a student uh, at Imperial or you happen to pass by the area for one reason or another, please do drop by our booth and say hi. We would love to see you. But anyways, um, so God gave me this message, what is the church to you? As I was reaching out to uh, the different new students uh, during the Freshers' Fair. Because a lot of the students, um, I don't know if you uh, are familiar with the demographics of uh, university, but basically a lot of the students, they are from nations where they have actually never heard of the concept of church before. You want to uh, tell them that, oh, church is about uh, Jesus or church is uh, about us coming together in fellowship, but they look at you with blank faces. They gave me blank stares and they're like, oh, church. So what do you guys do? Oh, you guys play sports. Are you a sports society? Oh, are you a club? So that, is, uh, that was actually real responses that we got from people. So then the Lord uh, actually spoke to me even that day and asked me, so, what is the church actually to you? Like, why are um, in a loving way, he, he was asking me, why are you uh, having so much difficulty explaining what a church is to people? And even for some of us here, maybe we come to church every single Sunday, but our impression of church is, oh, church is this building that we have opposite Euston Station. Church is this gathering where we uh, sing four songs, we listen to announcements, we pray for one another midway through uh, the third and fourth song, and after that, uh, we just listen to the Word. That is church. But what I want to tell you today is that church is so much more than that. Church is so much more than a structure uh, that we do on Sunday. Church is so much more than a building that we are in right now. Can I get an amen? Amen. amen. So before I flash up the uh, scripture that I'm going to preach to you from today, let me just give you uh, the Greek word for church. I think um, Steve has a slide for that as well. So the Greek word for church is ecclesia. So, what does ecclesia mean? Ecclesia means called out ones, or called out assembly, or even called out congregation. So, what do we mean by that? So, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, it says, it is a gathering or congregation. So, sorry, before I go to that, 1 Peter 2, verse 9, but you are a chosen people, a royal priest, priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. So pay special attention. Chosen people, royal priesthood, holy nation, God's special possession. This is what we are to God. So what, what are called out ones? Called out ones are basically a gathering of believers whom God has called out of the world and into His wonderful light. So, yeah, that is uh, essentially what church means in the Bible. So, moving on to the scripture for today. So, this scripture, I've uh, chosen it because it is the first time the word church was actually mentioned in the Bible. So, reading from Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 to 20. If we can turn uh, to the scripture, 
Um, we can use our physical Bibles, or if you did not bring your physical Bibles, you can fix your eyes on the screen even as I read. Amen. So, reading from Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, He asked His disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? So this Son of Man title is the title that Jesus most frequently used when He was uh, doing His work and reaching out to the lost uh, on earth. So, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Let me just pause there. So if we look at all these figures, um, Elijah, Jeremiah, John the Baptist, do you know what they have in common? They're actually all only just men. They don't have any divine powers. They're not uh, from uh, heaven, but they're just ordinary men like you and I. So, but what about you, he asked. You meaning uh, Simon Peter. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And then Jesus replied and said, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. Verse 18, And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades, or the gates of hell, will not overcome it. And then Jesus went on to say, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. Amen. So, just before I go into my points, let me just tell us more about what the foundation of the church is. So, we look back again at verse, seven, verse 18, sorry. It says, I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. So, from this verse alone, do you think Jesus was referring to Peter? You, Peter, are the foundation of the church. Do you think he was actually referring to that? So, if we want to know, or if we want to just unravel this more, let's look at the word church. The, the word church, it is actually not a singular term. The word church is actually a plural term. When, uh, the church, when the word church is used, it was never meant to refer to one single individual. It was always meant to refer to a group of believers, a group of individuals who believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Because we, uh, we learned about the meaning of church from Ecclesia, called out once, not called out one, called out once. So, if we look at this again, and even just going slightly more theological, because I thought this was interesting. So, Peter, in his Greek uh, form, is actually Petros, which means rock. Peter's name actually means rock. But then, Jesus uses the word rock, but it actually is not Petros. Essentially, Jesus was using a different Greek word called Petra. So, Jesus here, he was trying to uh, refer to individuals like Peter, individuals who declare that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. These individuals will be the foundation of my church, so not just Peter alone. Because even as we read uh, through Acts, we know that uh, Peter, after preaching to the 3,000, then he has his uh, moments as well. He has his slips and falls as well. He, um, even in one time, uh, as we read along uh, the New Testament, Paul actually called out Peter to say, why are you not uh, eating with the Gentiles? You were uh, associating yourselves with the Gentiles, but when the group, when the Jews who are circumcised come, then suddenly you don't want to uh, associate with them anymore. You are a hypocrite. So, yeah, Peter has his moments as well. So, if, if we have this sort of uh, single individual being the foundation of the church, it will not work because the foundation of the church has to be Christ. Christ is perfect, but Peter on the, hand, on the other hand is not because he's just broken like uh, one of uh, each of us as well. So yeah, Peter cannot be the sole foundation of the church or it will surely crumble. And 
even just to just to go on to verse, if we go back to the previous verse, thank you. So, verse 17, it says, Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. Even the fact that uh, the, the statement that Peter gave Jesus, Jesus Christ is the Son of God, was not revealed by men. But in fact, it is the Father who actually uh, gave this revelation to the disciples that Jesus is the Son of God. Because even as we look uh, in the Word of God, Jesus himself mentioned that to some it will sound like foolishness, but to some it will sound like the truth. So the Father reveals to those whose hearts are softened. So yeah. If we can look at the next verse, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 10 to 11. Here, it, uh, Paul even reiterates and even uh, gives, us, um, gives us the truth that Christ is indeed the foundation. So by the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder. So all of us, we are builders, we lay a foundation upon foundation, and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care. Verse 11, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Christ Jesus. And just another one to just emphasize my point, Ephesians 2, 19 to 22. So, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of His household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus Himself as the chief cornerstone. So, yeah. As we can see from the two uh, verses, two portions of scriptures that we've just read, we can establish that Jesus has to be the foundation of the church. Amen. So, moving on to my six points. <laughs> so, um, I'll, be, uh, I'll be giving my points from the acronym CHURCH. So, first point, C community of believers. Church is a community of believers. Church is not just a building. Church is not just a structure that we are in right now, but church is essentially you and me, community of believers who profess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Acts chapter 2 verses 42 to 47, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. This was amazing. This was the early church, and what they did was they gathered together, they met on a daily basis uh, for fellowship, for the breaking of bread, and even... Uh, devoted uh, their time in prayer as well. And not only that, they went as far as, oh, this brother is in need, this sister is in need. Let me sell what I have and give to that brother or give to that sister. Maybe church was actually um, meant to be like this, but because uh, as we go along, as we uh, progress through time, uh, people start to think that church is actually oh, just a Sunday, and a Monday to Saturday uh, is me time or um, is a time where I can sort my own things out. So, they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Maybe if we actually uh, started to live out more of the kingdom of God on a daily basis and to actually um, be a church in our respective communities, in our respective marketplaces, maybe we can see more of the power of God. Because here it says, the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Because they met each other daily, they were selfless, and they had one thing in common, the, everything in common. The one thing is to love their neighbors. So they had that in common. So imagine if we 
uh, also live out uh, this verse. We live out uh, the practices of the early church. How powerful or how much more of God can we see in our lives? Amen? Okay. So, the church, as we know, is a community of Christ believers devoted to glorifying God. So, as we can see here, they were praising God in verse 47 and even uh, edifying one another, loving one another, and also evangelizing to the people and to the nations around us, as we see from the works of the different apostles, including Apostle Paul, who actually went out to the Gentiles and actually preached the Word of God. So, it doesn't take a building or a structure service for the church to fulfill its callings. So, you can think that, oh, we need to meet on a Sunday in order to do church. But can I tell you that you don't actually need to do that? Um, if you actually take the time to praise God on a Monday to a Saturday, or if you actually took the time to actually met up, uh, meet up with people, catch up with people, and to love others, or even just um, sharing about uh, the good news of the gospel to the people around us, to the um, to the area, to the far-reaching areas, to the nations around us on a daily basis, that is essentially church already. You don't need to, you don't necessarily need to rely on a Sunday structure in order to do church. But a Sunday structure is good regardless because it allows us to meet together and it allows us to enjoy the fellowship of one another, like what um, they were doing, the early believers in the same area. So, Matthew 18, verse 20, it says, For where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. So where two or three are gathered with the same common interests, and where two or three are gathered for uh, the one goal of just loving others and sharing the good news of God, there the Spirit of the Lord, or there the presence of the Lord will be. So, God, again, revealed, continued to reveal uh, to me more about what uh, the church should be. You know, sometimes we can be too fixated on doing church on a Sunday or ensuring church runs smoothly, but are we ensuring that God gets glorified or God gets glory in the process? Or are we just so uh, consumed with, oh, this needs to be perfect, that needs to be perfect, worship needs to be amazing, uh, the food needs to be amazing, I need to talk to 10 people today, uh, but we forget that where is God in the equation? Is God getting all the glory in the equation? And the second thing, are we meeting the needs of every hungry or lost soul who walks through those doors? We can be so fixated in meeting the needs of the church that we see now, but are we meeting the needs of the people who actually come through those doors? And the third thing, are we sharing God's truth and love in places where God has placed us, or even, uh, like I mentioned just now, cross-culturally to the nations, to the far-reaching nations? Are we doing these three things? Because it doesn't, it doesn't really mean much if we have perfect uh, church attendance, perfect 100% Sunday attendance when we are not even fulfilling any one of these callings because that is what the church is for. That is why Jesus uh, actually built the church upon the disciples. Amen? Yeah. So, similar, similarly, some of us, we can be overly disappointed when church doesn't run according to the way we want. So, when something uh, doesn't go the way we want, suddenly we're so bogged up by it. We're like, oh, I should have done this better. I should have done that better. But we forget that God makes even the imperfect things uh, perfect. God can use even the most imperfect things and make it to be perfect. So we need to remember that more than just uh, doing church uh, in an excellent manner, that's very good. We have to do church in an excellent manner. But more than that, we need to remember that uh, God should be in control. God should be uh, the one who... Uh, his will should be the one that decides things at the end of the day. So, second point, H, heaven meets earth. So, another way to put church is, church is essentially a way to help people experience the love of Christ. Through the finished work of Christ on the cross, God has adopted us 
us into sonship by sending the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts. If you can just look at Galatians chapter 4, verses 3 to 7. So also, when we were underage, we were in slavery under the elemental spiritual forces of the world. But when the set time had fully come, God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. So praise God because He has adopted us into sonship through the finished work of the cross. Amen? Because you are His sons, God sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, the Spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but you are now God's children. And since you are His children, God has also made you His heir. Amen. So essentially, it says that God has filled us with, the, with His Spirit. God has filled our hearts with the Spirit of the Lord. So now what are we? We are actually now mobile units for God, each carrying God's presence wherever we go. Whatever domain, whatever area we step into, we are bringing a slice of heaven with us, whether we realize it or not. So Matthew chapter 16, verse 19, the scripture that I preached on in the beginning, it says, And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Essentially, Jesus is saying, I've given you full access to the kingdom of heaven. Go and just carry out the will of God. Whatever you lose on earth, it will be loose in heaven. Whatever you bind in heaven, it will be whatever you bind on earth, it will be bind in heaven. So yeah, and just to quickly give us another portion of scripture, Luke 4.18, it says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind and to set the oppressed free. So that, this same spirit that, that is in Jesus, which allows him to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and even uh, give sight to the blind and to set the oppressed free, that same spirit, that same power is within us. So even with that, we have the, the ability to live out what Jesus has uh, just done as well if we choose to believe and if we choose to depend on the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. So, you know, we talk about how we are mobile units uh, of heaven on earth. You know who's the perfect example of heaven over, overlapping with earth? It is Jesus Christ Himself. So when God came down to this broken world, He stripped Himself of all divinity and He was uh, God become human. So God's domain actually overlapped with mankind's domain when Jesus came down from heaven to earth. Jesus is now the place where heaven overlaps earth. And you know, just like the woman with the issue of blood, you know when she touched Jesus and she touched the rim of uh, Jesus' garment, and he, she was healed immediately. But then we look, at, at, we look on another from another perspective, we see that there's actually a lot of people who are touching Jesus, a lot of people bumping shoulders against Jesus at the time, because Peter was saying, okay, uh, you ask who touched me, Jesus, but, um, sorry, who, who touched you? Jesus asked who touched you, and uh, Peter said, but everyone is touching you. What do you mean, who touched you? Like, um, is there a specific person you're looking for? But Jesus specifically felt the, His power leaving when the woman with the issue of bleeding touched Him. So this uh, brings me to a very important point that we may or may not realize. When we come to church, are we actually touching Jesus? Or are we like the crowd, just bumping against Jesus? Just, come, uh, just coming here to have our, uh, I don't know, daily dose of church, and then we leave, but we actually don't experience Jesus. So what is the point of that? What's the point of coming to church if we're not experiencing Jesus? So yeah, just like what I mentioned, we can have, the per we can have perfect Sunday church attendance, but let's even just reflect, when was the last time we actually touched or experienced Jesus for ourselves in church? So, moving back to just us being mobile units for God, we, are, we have the potential to be the light that shines the brightest within the darkness of, say, our respective marketplaces, our universities, or even our schools, or even our household. So, we have that potential to be that light, but we need to choose to be that light. 
So, you know, I was just um, brewing this message, and I remember one, uh, someone uh, who used to be in this church, he's now back, uh, he's now back in Malaysia, so he used to cook, uh, he, this one time he actually cooked chicken rice for us, so there was one time uh, he was brewing this pot of soup, and a fly flew into the soup, and he was saying, I think I should toss this soup out, and I should order takeaway, because one fly has dropped into the soup. And we were like, oh, you're going to waste that. But that's not the point I'm trying to say. Is the point I'm trying to say is, if one fly in the soup can ruin the whole batch of soup, what more us? One small light in a room full of darkness. One small light in an ocean full of broken people. Do you think we don't have the potential or we don't have the power to actually um, make a difference wherever we are? As God's church, we need to understand and exercise the power within us because we have read, God has given us uh, the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever we bind on earth will be um, bound in heaven and so on and so forth. He has given us that authority. But are we choosing to actually use that power to just um, be a blessing to the people around us? When we interact with the people around us wherever we are at, are they experiencing heaven or are they experiencing more of this broken world already? When, um, we, when say, we, uh, we are at work, are we uh, making an effort to share heaven with the people around us? Are we making an effort to actually uh, show the love of Jesus to the people around us? Or are we just doing our 9 to 5 uh, because nobody's watching, because we are not in church, our leaders are not seeing. We don't have to uh, actually make an effort to uh, be a Christ influence wherever we are at. Because again, uh, I just want to say that church is not about Sunday. It, it is about a Monday to Sunday. If church is about a Sunday to you, then it defeats the whole purpose already. So yeah, the third point, you, unity. So unity among believers. So church, as we mentioned, church is not singular Church cannot run on a single person. It has to be run uh, by a group of believers who are united and uh, really uh, stand together to carry out the will of the Father. Uh, that being said, church needs to be less uh, of a consumer manner. But instead, we need to ask ourselves, instead of being a consumer at church, what can I bring to church? What can I uh, give to the church that I'm going to? So, believers in the, in the early church, they actually met on a daily basis and they gave to one another. It doesn't say believers met on a daily basis and received and were healed and were blessed. But it, it specifically highlights the fact that the believers met to share their possessions with one another and to love one another. So we need to be this self-sacrificial church like the early church as well. We need to get back to basics and understand that church is not about us, but church is the people around us. John chapter 13 verses 34 to 35. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another by this Everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. I love verse 35. It says, um, so how do you tell someone you are a follower of Jesus without telling them you are a follower of Jesus? By loving one another. By um, loving them like how Jesus first loved us. You can say, I'm a follower of Jesus, but if you don't live that out, are you truly a follower of Jesus? So yeah, uh, back on the topic of unity, we need to love one another. When we love one another, we are united as a church because a church or um, house divided on itself cannot stand. Similarly, a church divided on itself cannot stand. So again, this is another common theme that we hear from uh, Christians or we hear from believers. This church is not for me. Let me try another church. That church is not for me. Let me try a different church. So, 
on the topic of unity, we need to learn to be more uh, selfless, to be less consumer, uh, less of a consumer, and to be uh, and to root down. Because how can we start giving if we don't root down? If we keep church shopping or church hopping, how can we ever root down? And then you, you might ask me this question. Okay, fine. How do I find the right church for myself? There's two things I can tell you. Very simple. The first thing, obviously, is Christ the head of the church and is the will of the Father being carried out by the church. For example, praising God or edifying one another or even evangelizing to the world. So that's the first thing. And the second thing, this might surprise you, but the right church, the right church is what you make it to be. So are you willingly plugging yourself into the church? Are you willingly devoting your time, your talent, or your service to the church? Are you willingly reaching out to the people uh, and blessing the people around you in church? Are you willingly taking time out just to connect with them and just to uh, make them feel uh, the love of Jesus? So, Jesus, uh, so church is not... Uh, there's no one-size-fits-all for everyone. It's what you make it to be. Just because a church has the best preacher, has the most famous preacher, has the uh, most equipped uh, band or whatever you want, uh, you name it, doesn't mean that, uh, that, church, uh, is, that church is right for you if you don't plug into that church. It can be the best church on the outside, but if you don't make an effort to plug yourself into that church, it will not be the church for you. Very often people switch churches not because of uh, not because it, it is not aligned with what the Bible is or not because uh, it is aligned with what Christ tells us in, in His Word, but because of number two, because they think, oh, this church is not able to feed me in, my, uh, in terms of my spiritual needs. This church is not able to fulfill uh, whatever that I'm looking for. Let me go to a church we can bet, which can better serve me, which can better fill me up. But all, uh, all this talk, we're actually talking about me, me, and me. We are not talking about you or us or they, but it's all me. So yeah, Jesus did not call us to be a church to meet our own needs. He called us to meet each other's needs because ultimately, only one person can meet our needs, not the people around us. Only Jesus can meet our needs. If you say my need, for example, using X Church, uh, because uh, we are in X Church anyway, if you say my need is not met in X Church, you know what you're saying? You're saying that Jesus cannot meet my needs, essentially. And are you also saying, I need to go to a different church where Jesus can meet my needs? So you're saying Jesus cannot meet your needs in this church, but if you go to another church, He can then meet your needs? I don't think it works that way. So moving on to the next point, R, representation. So... We are not just part of a small community called X London. In fact, we are part of a global church family where Jesus Christ is the head. We are not just uh, X London or, for example, another church. Hillsong is not just Hillsong or HTB is not just HTB. But in fact, we are all part of a global church family where Jesus is the head. So the global church is the global family of Christ, believers all around the world who carry out the will of the Father. So, uh, if we can flesh up 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 to 20. So, Paul sums it up in uh, a clear way. Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit, so as to form one body. Whether Jews, whether Gentiles, uh, slave or free, or whether white, whether black, whether Asian, we, are, we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many parts. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But, in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every single one of them, every single one of the church, every single one of us in the church, just as He wanted them to be. 
if they were all one part, if they were all talented in, say, singing, where would the body be? Or like, where, uh, what about the other ministries? Who would be serving in the other ministries? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. Just going to borrow the um, example that Gareth used uh, last uh, Sunday as well. We need to compare less between each other, but actually just uh, encourage one another because of what talents God has, God has given them. For example, even using, say, hmm, Rebecca. Rebecca's very good at the drums. Instead of saying, oh, um, why, why can't I be more like uh, Rebecca? She's so good at the drums. Like, and we start to have this comparison and this jealousy brewing. Uh, but in fact, we should be more like, oh, this is amazing, Rebecca. We now have a drummer serving in the worship team. And God, would you give me this talent also, uh, if not in the drums, in something else that I may also serve in your ministry as well. So in fact, of, uh, in, instead of comparing ourselves to the people and be like, I want to be more like the hand. I want to be more like the eye. Why not we look at the talents that God has given us and we ask God to just grow that talent and um, allow Him to use that talent for His glory. So yeah, again, are we un unknowingly comparing this church to other churches as well? Are we unknowingly uh, saying to ourselves, hmm, um, this church doesn't have a proper... Um, doesn't have a proper band, like, or this church doesn't even have a proper stage. But look at HTB. Always, uh, every Sunday, um, the band is so the band is so nice. The songs they sing is so good. Ah, I wish I was in that church. Or maybe um, this church. Let me think of another example. This church doesn't even have a proper uh, proper preacher. All these preachers, like, they're new. I don't even know them. Uh, they are not even pastors. Like. Uh, who are they to tell me how to live my life? I want to go to, um, say, HTB, where, uh, where Pastor Nicky Gumbel, I don't know if he's still there, but Nicky Gumbel preaches. Um, that is a good uh, pastor. That is a good church. So uh, what I'm trying to say is, are we unknowingly making a comparison even when we choose to root down in a church? Or are we thinking more of, okay, God, uh, I'm in this church now. Can you reveal if? Uh, can you reveal where I can contribute in this church? Can you reveal an area where I can just pour out uh, into your house? So at the end of the day, all these churches that we are talking about, all these global church family, we have one goal. Just uh, just like how there are many parts. Uh, of the same body, but we have all we all have one singular goal, and that's very well summed up in Acts twenty twenty four. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. So, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. So, many parts, many churches, many individuals, many talents, but all for one common goal to testify of the good news of God's grace. The next point, C, Christ as the head. So, we talked about earlier on, Christ has to, be cornerstone, has to be the cornerstone. He has to be the foundation. There is just no other option. You know, even as we're talking about uh, how Christ should be the head, He shouldn't just be the head of say, X church He needs to be the head of our individual lives as well. Because what is the church? The church is not X church The church is not a building. The church is the called out ones. The church is individuals like you and me. So Christ has to be the head of our lives in order for Christ to be the head of the church, if that makes sense. So one good litmus test of whether Christ is truly head is when we face persecutions or troubles. Do challenges rob us of our joy? Is our generosity dependent on our abundance? And do we pray only in hard times? Or worse, do we only, do we only turn up in church when we need God? So, uh, you don't have to turn to this scripture, but just to tell us about the story of the poor widow who gave out of her lack. Jesus saw that she gave out of her lack compared to the other rich people who actually gave out out of their abundance. 
And Jesus labeled that as, that is true generosity, not the amount that the rich people actually gave, even though they probably gave like 10 times the amount or even 100 times the amount. We don't know. But Jesus doesn't look at the amount. Jesus looks purely at the heart. We know that Jesus himself was completely submitted to the will of the Father. So, even in the Garden of Gethsemane, yep, um, Jesus was praying and he was saying, Lord, Father, can you take this cup away from me? But your will be done, not my will at the end of the day. So Jesus, at the end of the day, uh, his flesh was saying, no, I don't want to go uh, to the cross. But then he had the Father's best interest in his mind. He was saying, despite what my flesh is saying, despite what every ounce of my flesh is saying, I will choose to obey the Father. Are we doing the same? Despite what our flesh is telling us to do, despite what uh, is comfortable for us, are we choosing to uh, be submitted to the will of the Father? So, just a few more examples of whether, like, of whether Christ is the head or if we are the head of our lives. So maybe this is relevant to you, maybe this is not relevant to you. I'm not trying to uh, bring anyone down because these are just examples that I have experienced as well, myself. So do we come to church only when we are serving only when we are on the roster, then we are like, oh, I have to come to church. But when we're not on the roster, yeah, that's fine. I'll tune in online. Or maybe, do we only prioritize Sunday church attendance? And when we look at homes or prayer service, we're like, yeah, this is secondary. This is not important. But then we have to remember that church is not a su Sunday thing. Church is an everyday thing. Like, this is just like one additional thing in the week versus what the disciples did in the early days where they met on a daily basis. And we don't even know how many hours were devoted on a daily basis as well. And just another example. Do we turn up on time for church? Like, or are we... Are we purposefully choosing to attend online church even though we have every ability to attend physical church? So these are the things that, yeah, that's uh, really come, to, uh, come, uh, come across my mind even in the past. And maybe it's what we need to reflect on as well. Because all these essentially boils down to this. Is Christ the head of our lives? And another thing, how can, how can you tell if Christ is the head of a person's life without, uh, without them telling you that Christ is the head of their lives? It's what, they're, it's what they base their decisions around. It's what they base their life decisions around. Let me just um, use someone as an illustration because it makes it clearer. Sam. So... Uh, pretend that I'm Sam. If I say, oh, Pastor Dave, I cannot come to church next Sunday because I'm, go I'm going to Romania. We find that hard to believe, don't we? We're like, Sam, not coming to church because he's going to Romania. Um, and, we're, and then if we ask further, we'll be like, oh, he's going there for a holiday. I'm like, hmm, this doesn't, this doesn't uh, like add up. Like, so we know what kind of person Sam is. We know that the last thing he would do is to actually go for a holiday and skip church. I'm just saying this because I know Sam quite well. So this is one of the things uh, that, uh, this is what I'm trying to say. Are we basing our holidays around uh, Jesus, around uh, church, or around um, around? the best interests of Christ? Or are we basing it around our own convenience? And even with work, are we basing our work around Jesus or our boss? If our boss says, oh, you need to work on a Sunday, but you will be paid 10 times the amount. Don't worry about it. 
versus, oh, if I do it, I don't get to go to church. So, yeah, what I'm trying to say is, Christ is the head of your life if you base your decisions around Him. Moving on to my final point, H. So, we can do all these strivings, we can uh, do all these plannings, all this, uh, all this planning ahead, structuring of church, and you name it, whatever we need to do to make uh, church happen. But do you know that church cannot happen without the help of the Holy Spirit? So that's my last point, H, Holy Spirit. We can strive all we want, but we can only do so much without the help of the Holy Spirit. No amount of church planning, no amount of growth strategies, no, amounts of, no amount of donations from people, or no amount of advertising about church can grow the church except with the help of the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, you know, the church essentially becomes a society. It becomes a gathering of people who just come together to receive our weekly dosing of uh, the teaching from the Bible. We need to be ready for the Holy Spirit to move, not only on Sundays, but every single day of our lives. Just like how uh, we talked about touching Jesus on a Sunday, but it's not just a Sunday. We need to get used to seeking and touching Jesus on a daily basis. So, the Holy Spirit, essentially, it, it is our helper, our counsellor. The Holy Spirit helps the church, meaning us, to become an effective witness for Christ. Number one, we talked about how church is a community of believers. The Holy, we have free access to the Father because God has given us the Holy Spirit. God has adopted us into sonship and filled our hearts with the Holy Spirit. That's how we are able to become this community of believers who have free access to the kingdom of heaven. And the second thing, we talked about heaven meeting earth. So, we talked about how we want to uh, be, used to, uh, be used so that other people around us can experience heaven, can experience the kingdom, kingdom of God. But that will not happen if we don't have the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit to allow lives to experience heaven through the power that flows through us the power that breaks chains, the power that heals diseases, and the power that drives out the enemy. And the third thing we talked about, unity. We need the Holy Spirit to love others when every ounce of our flesh tells us not to love that person. We can't do this uh, through our own strength because our own strength will surely fail. And the fourth thing we talked about, representation. The Holy Spirit is the one who gives us spiritual gifts to operate in different roles, but ultimately for the same goal of being effective witnesses for Christ. And lastly, we talked about Christ as the head. Sorry, going through the points. So, the Holy Spirit is the one ultimately who convicts us and corrects us to put Christ as our head. So all these points that we talked about, it all boils down to the Holy Spirit. Like we can do uh, and plan and say whatever we want, but ultimately we need the Holy Spirit. And just giving us our last portion of Scripture, and can I also invite the worship team to come up as well? So Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6 says, So he said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might, Known by power, but by the Spirit, says the Lord Almighty. So, it's not by power, it's not by our efforts, but it is truly by the Holy Spirit. So, even as we've just learned about what the church is, even as we've just learned about uh, the church, being a community of believers, the church being that vessel, being that uh, point where heaven touches earth, and even the church where it's not about you, it's, it's not about me, me or me, but it's about 
you and us. It's about uh, what can I do for the people around us? And also a church which ultimately has to represent Christ, not just locally, but globally as well. And finally, Christ as the head. Would you, would you now even begin to stand, even as, even as I just pray for one and uh, pray for all of you. Even as we talked about the church being a blessing to one another, we cannot do this without the Holy Spirit. So even right now, I just want to take some time and take this opportunity to just. Uh, invite the Holy Spirit into our lives. Invite the Holy Spirit uh, into this place. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, we know that you have called us not to just be, not to just be receivers of your blessings, not to just be receivers of your word, but you have called us to just love one another, to just make disciples of all nations and to just go out to the far-reaching nations and to the far-reaching uh, places to share your good news. But Lord, we cannot do this without you. We need you, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, would you begin to convict hearts right now would you begin to soften hearts right now? Lord, we know that we know that you have called us to be a blessing. We know that you have called us to be a blessing even in our workplaces, our marketplaces, and wherever we are at. So Lord, we just want to come before you now and we want to just say sorry for the times that we have uh, just put our own interests, our own best interests above yours. Lord, would you help us, O oh Father, to just be more effective witnesses for you. Help us, O oh Father, to just rely on your Spirit more and more. And Lord, more importantly, would you help each and every one of us to experience Jesus even here right now. Lord, we don't want to come here, we don't want to gather here just to uh, go through a routine, go through uh, whatever that we're expecting, but Lord, we want to experience you, Jesus. Lord, would you just touch us even as we call upon your name? Lord, would you just break every chain? Would you just break the enemy's stronghold right now? And Lord, I pray, O oh Father, for every person who uh, here who are desperate for you and who need you. Lord, would you just touch them, O oh Father? If it is healing that they need, would you just touch them and allow he your power to flow through them just like how um, power flowed uh, out of your garment and into the woman with the issue of bleeding. Holy Spirit, we just need you now. If you've been touched by today's message and would like to invite Jesus into your life, why don't you join me in saying this prayer? Lord Jesus, Thank you for paying the ultimate price for my sins by dying on the cross for me. I receive your love and forgiveness and eternal life by faith. Come into my heart and life and be my Lord and my Savior. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for tuning in today. We hope that you've been blessed by today's message. For more information about Acts, you can check out www.actschurch.uk. God bless.